It was an up-and-down weekend for the Pac-12 in college basketball. Frankly, Shohei Otani was the only good news for the L.A. area schools. But Andy, good grief, Arizona and Colorado obliterated two really strong opponents in Wisconsin and Miami. What's it mean for the Pac-12 hierarchy? We're about to tell you. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there coming at you year-round. We are your host, that's Andy Patton. I'm Isaac Shade, and it is an absolute joy to welcome in you everydayers to get your first listen or watch of college basketball every day. We'd love to talk more college basketball with you. Come join the Discord where we have great college basketball content going on all the time. The link to that is in the show notes. Hey, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Andy, we got a great show ahead we have coming up. We're going to talk some Big 12 where a whole bunch of undefeated teams fell off the radar. We got our usual Monday six-pack. Man, it was great. So much action. Finally, college basketball is taken back over Saturday. That's great news. You'll love to see it. We're going to start with this Pac-12 conversation. But by the way, speaking of the undefeated teams, Andy, you know we got to update our undefeated watch. We began the weekend with 13 of them. We are down now to just seven. We had five undefeated teams fall off on Saturday and then Princeton loss on Sunday. We had said on Friday uh, that we thought Princeton had a good shot if they could get by St. Joe's on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Update, spoiler alert, they could not. And so now the seven that we have in alphabetical order are Arizona, Baylor, Clemson, Houston, James Madison, my choice, probably our choice at this point to go the longest, Ole Miss, and Oklahoma, who is burning it up, Andy Patton. Let's get into the Pac-12 conversation. Several key wins, several losses. We're learning things about these teams, but Andy, two of these wins were absolute just dominating performances for the Pac-12, both in what Arizona did to Wisconsin and with what Colorado did on Sunday to Miami. The other two probably big wins of note were Washington over Gonzaga and then Utah uh, taking care of one of those undefeated teams in BYU in the Holy War battle. Andy, we can get to the losses in a minute, whatever. All of this kind of big picture stuff, what is your takeaway right now with the Pac-12? Yeah, the the takeaway for the Pac-12 right now is that there's one really, really, really good team. And then it's kind of unclear after that. I think Colorado at this point has established themselves pretty firmly, as firmly as we've seen really any team be in that second spot. But it's Arizona, and then it is a very large gap, a desert, if you will. I will. I definitely will, yes. Before you get to that, I mean, Tommy Lloyd's team just looks fantastic. Wisconsin's been a bit up and down this year. They have that win over Marquette. Uh, They have that loss to Tennessee that I think is going to, age well for them and frankly for Tennessee uh, in that regard. But uh, I mean, Arizona just took it to them and Wisconsin's a decent defensive team and and they played well offensively in this game, but Arizona just hung 90 on them. Like they are uh, an unbelievably difficult team to defend the way that they love to get out in transition. Uh, When Caleb loves hitting shots, they are just pretty much unstoppable and they haven't really looked like the team that 
that has a lot of obvious weaknesses up to this point. There are very few teams in college basketball that we can kind of say that about. I mean, even other undefeated teams, Houston has not looked perfect. The best team they've played is Xavier, and they that was kind of a close game. Like, there are certainly Purdue and, and Marquette and Kansas and UConn, all those teams have showed some level of, of flaw or weakness, and Arizona kind of hasn't. Like, they're as close to, to, to that kind of peak that we have in college basketball right now. Uh, and Colorado, uh, speaking of teams that are just all over the map, I mean, Colorado has, going dating back to last year, has been one of the most inconsistent, <laughs> frustratingly inconsistent teams to really follow. And yet they go out and beat a, a good Miami team by 27 points on Sunday, 90-63, to 63, the final score there for them. Fantastic performance from Tristan De Silva. He was one assist short of pulling up a triple-double here. Uh, there are two good teams. There's one great team in the Pac-12, one very solid team, beyond that. And then it gets really murky after that. And Isaac, I think the biggest storyline in the PAC 12 this weekend was about one of the losing teams. That's right. In the sense that Bronny James, of course, son of LeBron James, a player who had a cardiac arrest back in July and has been unable to suit up for the Trojans until on Sunday, he made his season debut first game for him against Long Beach state. And they lost. They lost to Long Beach State. Shout out the 49ers, by the way. They have a win over Michigan and USC now. If you were looking at that and thinking you were watching football, you would be <laughs> baffled by what the heck is going on there. But shout out former Gonzaga head coach Dan Monson, now the head coach over there at, at Long Beach State. But, I mean, USC is is – they've really struggled these last couple of weeks. The kind of hope was that Bronny coming back would be a bit of a jolt for them. We didn't expect big stuff from him individually and we didn't get big stuff from him individually. He played 17 minutes. He had four points, three boards, two assists and two steals, like not a bad game for any stretch for Bronny. It was encouraging to see him out there. He only took three pointers, but he knocked one of them down, had a free throw as well. Uh, he will obviously get more acclimated to the system and, and more comfortable, but uh, USC, has now lost two games to big West schools. They have that loss to Gonzaga. Like this is, this is not the team people thought they were going to be coming into the season. And it's becoming quite clear. And, and, you know, like it's good. Bronny made a free throw uh, mm -hmm. right towards the end of regulation that put USC up two. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I know Long Beach state came back and tied it up with about like yeah. three seconds left, but mm -hmm. Bronny made one of two right there. You know, he makes them mm -hmm. both and, and yeah. uh, USC probably wins this game. You know, that, yeah. I thought that was, a uh, really interesting pressure moment in his yeah. first collegiate game. Wild stuff. But, I mean, yeah, it's like USC had a 15-point halftime lead, Andy. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh, this is kind of cool. We're going to see yeah. probably, you know, get Bronny some good minutes in this first game. But then the second half, Long Beach State outscores USC 44-29, to Andy. The Ooh. Trojans just cannot be doing that no. um, to be who we thought they would be preseason. Now, no. Elsewhere in the L.A. area, we, we talked about it. But um, also, I, I forgot to say, uh, Isaiah Collier had a little bit of an injury scare. Thankfully, he was yeah. able to come back and play. We'll keep our eyes on that. But, dude, th they've got the dude. I just – I the pieces aren't coming together. Andy no. Enfield's got to get this figured out. Now, UCLA, Villanova. Um, Andy, quite frankly, this was not a pretty basketball game no. to watch, if, if we can be honest about that. Uh, Villanova gets a very much needed win. Talk, speaking of teams that – it's like, what, what are you? You know, Villanova mm -hmm. won the battle for Atlantis. But outside of that, Andy, they haven't really done much of anything. What, I mean, and then with UCLA, we're still trying to kind of figure out who they are. We knew that coming into the season. We'd probably be in that boat with them, you know, just mm -hmm. because of all these pieces. But, man, with the L.A. schools right now, Mr. Patton, 
I'm I got a whole bunch of question marks. Yeah, UCLA. I mean, they held Villanova to 33 percent from the field. They held Villanova to 31 and a half percent from three, uh, and they lost. <laughs> Like they, they played good defense. Uh, they also went five of six from the free throw line. Meanwhile, Villanova went 16 of 21. And it's interesting, you know, Gonzaga and UCLA played this really intense physical battle in the Maui Invitational, ton of fouls called and a lot of uh, consternation about the, the way that that game was officiated. But since then, both UCLA and Gonzaga in different games have struggled with foul trouble. So, Yes, maybe some of the officiating there was frustrating it for a 9 p.m. game to be constantly slowed down by refs, but maybe these teams need to stop fouling. Like at some point, it's not just the refs are constantly out to get us. Like Gonzaga got into a foul trouble against Washington. We didn't really get much to that game, but Washington beats Gonzaga for the first time since 2005. Huge win for the Huskies on their home floor. And UCLA loses uh, here to Villanova in part because they got in foul trouble. Dembona, he played, he had 11 and 8. He had a solid game, but they had foul trouble from him. They had foul trouble from some of their other bigs. Like, this is an issue that needs to be cleared up for UCLA. They need to find ways to keep their guys on the floor. They need to get some of those international players more experience, more familiarity with with how the game is, is officiated at the college basketball level. Like, this is hurting them in a significant way. And, and I think this team's very talented. They're they're not they're they're very talent rich. They just haven't quite put the feet pieces together. Mick Cronin's capable of doing it, and I think that they'll find that spot. But right now, I, they're right in that mess of, of teams outside of Arizona and Colorado. Yep, and and on Villanova, I mean, and and maybe this is more of an indictment on UCLA. Reminder: they did not have Justin Moore in this game, and yeah. oh by the way, Eric Dixon went two of seven and just six points. Yeah. And yet Villanova still wins. I mean, I, if you had told me that, no, Justin Moore and Eric Dixon score six. Oh, Mm -hmm. Mick Cronin is going to bed a happy man on Saturday night. We we didn't get to talk much about Utah's win over BYU, but we are going to get to that because they are one of the three big 12 teams that came into this weekend undefeated and left not undefeated anymore. They left defeated. Defeated, exactly. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the other two teams that lost. We're going to talk about what this all means for the Big 12 and which of these three teams we trust the most going forward. All coming up after a word from today's sponsor, eBay Motors. Folks, passion, drive, and patience. That's what brings home the winning trophy, and it's also what helps keep your ride or die alive. And eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you are into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. And with over 122 million parts to choose from for your number one ride or die, you'll always find just what you're looking for. Plus, with eBay's guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your car every time or you get your money back because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need, the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that W. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply, and eBay's guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. All right, Isaac, we went into this weekend with five, five schools in the Big 12 Conference with zeros in that loss column. That is really, really good stuff from them. Now we got three teams who have a loss. BYU takes a loss to Utah. We talked about it very briefly in that first segment there. We'll get a little bit more into that. Meanwhile, Cincinnati takes their first loss of the season in the Crosstown shootout to Xavier. Uh, Sean Miller's club picks up a much-needed victory there. Meanwhile, Cincinnati again taking that first loss. And then TCU takes what is technically 
their first loss of the season. I think I said last week I was going to stop bagging on TCU for this, but I was obviously no. lying. No, uh, TCU does lose to Clemson. It is their first loss after the pseudo loss to Georgetown. They ended up winning that game, of course, but were out of bounds before that final shot went in by Miller there. Regardless, TCU loses to a very good Clemson team. Uh, two teams still undefeated in the Big 12, as you talked about earlier, Houston and Oklahoma remaining in that conversation. But Isaac, I want to focus on the three teams that lost here. BYU to Oklahoma, Cincinnati to Xavier, TCU to Clemson. I think in a vacuum, it's pretty safe to say that none of these are bad losses. No. The true road loss for BYU uh, I'm I'm not sure actually where the TCU Clemson game. I think that was a neutral. Um, either way, Clemson's yeah. a, a high ranking program, so definitely nothing there. Cincinnati Xavier is a huge rivalry game, so no bad losses here. But are there any teams out of these three that kind of stand out to you? Of like, hey, this this loss doesn't concern me as much, or hey, maybe this is a team I'm a little bit that maybe maybe was was masquerading as an undefeated team and is now kind of more exposed. That's a great question. I'll go with the team I'm not concerned about at all is BYU. And mm-hmm. it's so weird to say that. Yeah, Andy. Right? <laughs> but a four-point loss in a major rivalry game, a major away rivalry game, I should mm-hmm. say. Um, I, I'm not concerned with that at all. Now, to be fair, BYU, the computer lover, the computer lovers, <laughs> the computer numbers continue. Take that to- nerves, you computer lovers. <laughs> Gosh, that's got to become a joke. Uh, BYU falls from one only down to three in the net rankings at Ken Palm. I think they are now eighth. Um, So the the computer numbers are still there for BYU. Their their schedule itself isn't awesome. I mean, their best win is over San Diego State at Mm -hmm. home. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm really like, I I believe in what I'm seeing from BYU. I I mean, we're going to find out a lot as we get into Big 12 play. And there's really nothing before then between that, their first Big 12 game, Cincinnati. Between now and then, they've got Denver, Georgia State, Bellarmine, and Wyoming, none of whom is ranked in the top 150 in college basketball. So, um, But even that said, um, I think Cincinnati and TCU was more scheduled. I mean, they're good, solid basketball teams. But BYU is the best of these three to me. And the of these three losses, the one that matters least to me. What about you? I, I would BYU going 10 of 18 from the free throw line worries me a little bit. It's a one game sample size, so it's not that big of a deal. It's a true road game, loud environment, you know, a big rivalry, whatever. But like, B, B, I think I'm with you that BYU is the team that I think is probably the best out of this group. But I kind of have issues with all three of these teams that I think we saw in some way crop up in these games. Uh, TCU, I'm really shot at poorly. Uh, I mean, Clemson turned the ball over 13 times. Clemson didn't shoot very well. Clemson still won because TCU really, I mean, they shot 32%. They were three of 16 from three in this game. Nelson was two of 12, you know, the Delaware point or Delaware transfer point guard for TCU. So like I'm, I'm kind of out on TCU. The Georgetown game soured me a little bit. I've made that fairly clear on the show. Um, so I'm a little out on TCU. BYU, I, I echo most of what you said. I think that that was a really spot on. They played a true road game, a tough environment. I don't think that losing to Utah on the road is particularly harmful for them. Yeah. The computers certainly, the computers also like Utah, I think, a little bit better than I do. So I think yeah. that helped BYU yeah. a little bit. I'm still not quite there with Utah, but they, they look solid in this game. And then Cincy... I'm I'm intrigued by Cincinnati because I really? part of me thinks Xavier is a little 
better than we're giving them credit for. I mean, Xavier played a really close game against Houston. Xavier's had some some bad results this year, but also some quality results. They've had some serious injury issues before the season. But for Cincy, like two of their big transfer portal additions didn't do anything in this yeah. game yeah. against Xavier. And that concerns me. Aziz Bendego, who granted just came back, he did have 10 rebounds and two blocks in 25 minutes. So it's not like he didn't do anything, but he only had three points. That's three more points than C.J. Frederick transfers over from Kentucky. Frederick played 21 minutes, went 0-4 from the field. Like The only reason C.J. Frederick is on your basketball team is to hit three-pointers. If he's not doing that, he's not contributing at all. He didn't so, do it at Kentucky either, though. Yeah, and this is not new for him. Yeah. yeah. So so if I, I'm a little bit more worried about Cincinnati because they're relying on I – mean, I think Bendega will be fine – Frederick, you know, they got to find somebody else, I think, because he I don't think he's that guy for them. And and I think that all three of these teams are going to be where we thought they were going to be, which is the middle ish of the Big 12. And that them having undefeated records up to this point says a lot more about the quality of the teams in the Big 12 than I think it does about a whole lot else. BYU, you were talking about their free throws. I think that is one. I hadn't looked at their numbers before this. Mm -hmm. They're shooting 72.5% on the season. So I'm going to take that probably fine as a one off. But I mean, it, it is something. And to be fair, this is BYU's first true road game of the season. So yeah. when you look at that, Andy, let's can we flip the script on the yeah. Big 12 and look at the positive side of it? Because mm-hmm. good grief, Oklahoma yeah. just continues to roll. They beat Arkansas 79 to 70 on Saturday. I was actually down kind of near Fayetteville as it was going mm-hmm. on. So I was just kind of like watching it on, on, <laughs> on TV while we we're eating supper. But this nine point margin does mm-hmm. not do justice to how strongly Oklahoma knocked off Arkansas in a game in which, by the way, Coach Muss lost his mess and was rejected <laughs> from the game. And yeah, he was, he was on that one. <laughs> and, and, and I think a lot of times when we get these early season starts, it's like, mm-hmm. all right, cool, fine, whatever. I don't know about – with Oklahoma, I'm I'm one to believe that, that it is legit yeah. with the Sooners. Um, we're we're going to find out more as they – uh, continue to play through this schedule. But, I mean, they, they've beaten Iowa, USC, which I know we just talked about eh, with them, mm-hmm. but they've beaten Providence and now Arkansas. They mm-hmm. do have North Carolina coming up uh, a week from Wednesday in the yeah. Jumpman Invitational, and that's really their only other game of note before Big 12 play. But I think we'll learn a lot in that one as well. Yeah, 9-0, and and they've only had two games that were within single digits. One of them was this nine-point win over Arkansas, which, as you alluded to, it didn't feel like a game that was within single digits. Uh, and the other one was USC. They only beat USC by two. Yes, USC's a, a, a game on your resume that's continuing to age worse and worse as USC continues to struggle. But, I mean, if you are t- if you told any Sooners fan, hey, you're going to be 9-0 and with four wins over Power 5 programs, and you're going to have won – two of them by more than double digits. Like I think people are going to be pretty happy yeah. with that result there. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm in on Oklahoma. I have them a lot higher than I thought they would in my rankings, which we're going to have come out probably as many people are listening to this on Monday morning. But I also think, I mean, Arkansas is just a mess. I was gonna say, what are, yeah. Tell me, tell me your thoughts on the Arkansas side. <laughs> yeah. of it. Like they're, they're, I mean, Trevin Brazil played 15 minutes in this game. He didn't score. Uh, Chandler Lawson and L. Ellis played nine minutes each. Like there's no consistency in the rotation. I think Khalif Battle was their leading scorer coming off the bench, and he had 13. Like the 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 collection of guards for Eric Musselman and the Hogs 
the talent is there. We've continued to say that. But at what point do you start to like it's not coming together in ways that is leading to victories? I mean, that's not happening for them. They have four losses on the season. Uh, they're not finding it from front court guys. Brazil's been inconsistent. Uh, the guards, you don't ever know which one's going to step up and have a big game. Like I can feel the frustration uh, for this Arkansas team of kind of there, there's not any any consistency. And night in and night out, you're just not quite sure which guys are going to be there, which guys are not going to be there, who's going to step up, who's not. Uh, and it's made them a, a difficult watch this year. And certainly it's it's bearing itself out in the way that uh, they performed. How about this, Andy? Not knowing which guys are going to be there. You know how many points Arkansas got from their starters combined? How many? In, in this game? In this game. Four, they scored 70 30. total points as a team. How many of those were from their starters? 28, 30, maybe 17, Andy. Oh 17 points. And I know you got to get points from your bench and boy, did they in a big yeah. way, but that's, that's insane. Yeah. That so that, I mean that, that, if that doesn't speak to your point about, you don't know where your points and, and uh, production, production is coming from, yeah. boy, I don't, I don't know what else is Andy. I'm going to get hot and bothered. If, if we don't move on here, we got a juicy, a spicy six, six pack coming at you on Monday to close out the show, including a border war with Kansas in Mizzou and a much needed bounce back from St. Mary's. Uh, might there still be a uh, at large potential? I don't know, but we're going to talk about that in just a second. Right after we tell you that this episode of Locked on College Basketball is brought to you by Prize Picks. Look, testing your skills on prize picks this season is the most exciting way to get into playing daily fantasy sports. If you got the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. It's really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit it in less than a minute. Plus, they've got quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types to make it the number one daily fantasy sports app. Just you against the numbers, and all you got to do is pick more or less for two to six players and their stat that's given to you. Andy, we got a double header for Monday Night Football coming up, including the Packers and the Giants. Jordan Love has been on a little bit of a tear for the Packers, and his passing yards are set at 228 and a half. I just picked him up on my fantasy team, so you know I'm taking the more on this one. If you'd like to get in on that or other action, go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Andy, our six pack on Monday starts with kind of where Saturday started in Knoxville, Tennessee, where the Vols knock off Illinois 86 to 79. And Andy, this I thought was a really critically important win for Rick Barnes' team. Illinois was fresh off of that Jimmy V win over FAU on Tuesday. And Tennessee, as we know, had lost twice in Maui and then at North Carolina in the ACC SEC challenge. And I think uh, like none of that caused you or I to be out on Tennessee or really to even question them. But mm -hmm. even just for the Vols, like psyche, I think they really needed this win and they got it. And I thought it was critically important. 21 points from Dalton Connect, who is just rocketing up NBA draft boards, yeah. by the way. 52 points in the second half from the Vols. Andy, I would love to go count how many entire games they scored 52 last season. Uh, all five starters in double figures. Vols are now six and three on the season. Illinois drops to seven and two. 
Um, Terrence Shannon had 22, but he needed 16 shots to uh, to get there. And listen, I, I, man, for those of you that watch this game, Terrence Shannon versus Dalton Connect, that's two pros right there in my humble opinion. Not worried about Illinois. This is a tough road game. Uh, it's going to happen. I still right now would see them as probably number two in the Big Ten. From Knoxville up to Fort Collins, Colorado, St. Mary's goes on the road to play the undefeated Rams of Colorado State. This is not a game that people expected St. Mary's to win preseason. Yeah, people would have thought the, the Gales would be here. They also wouldn't have thought that they would be four and five heading into the game and that Colorado State would be nine and oh. But instead, Colorado State, who were nine point favorites in this game, you know, they were missing a couple guys. Josiah Strong didn't play, Jalen Lake did not play. Uh, but St. Mary's still goes in and wins 64-61, a game that was close literally throughout. There was just never really any separation for either team. And the crazy thing for St. Mary's is not only that they go get a road game and a road win in a season where they have struggled to even defend their own home floor, they do it without star guard Aiden Mahaney having a good game. Yeah. He played. He only had 10 points, 2 of 11 shooting. That's been a recipe for disaster for Randy Bennett's team. But instead, Augustus Marcelonis, who has been – really struggling this season kind of trying to replace Logan Johnson. He goes out, has 18 points on eight of 11 shooting really nice game for the Gales much needed. If they want any shot of getting an at-large bid uh, in that NCAA tournament, if they're not able to beat Gonzaga, they had to win this game. They did it. They're still five and five on the year. Meanwhile, Colorado state's still nine and one still looking like a real quality program, but uh, not a game we expected them to lose right now. And Andy, I think that speaks so much to Colorado State that this is a key and critical uh, yeah. non-con victory. So uh, good on you, Colorado State. Uh, let's go to the SEC AAC, where Memphis beats Texas A&M 81-75. The Aggies now, Andy, have dropped three of their last five. However, it's against FAU, Virginia, and Memphis. So understandable losses. But I will say at the same time, for what we expect Texas A&M to be, I don't think you get you can lose those three games and still kind of hover near the top of the SEC. I'm a little bit down on A&M. David Jones, 29 and 7. Andy, this dude is doing work yeah. for the Tigers. Quinterly had 24 points on 8 of 13 shooting. Love to see Javon Quinterly continue to do work. A&M was able to force 16 Memphis turnovers. But look, Andy. It's hard to win a college basketball game if you go six of 33 from beyond the arc. That's what happened. And nine of those misses were due to Mr. Wade Taylor, who himself has to play better because he didn't make a single one of those nine attempts. Aggies dropped to seven and three. Memphis seven and two. I keep telling you, I'm Memphis and FAU, the AAC is not a runaway for the Owls. You can tell it was a really busy week in college basketball when we're this far into the show and we're basically just now talking about Kansas for the first time, especially when they played their border war game against Mizzou, hosted the Tigers out of the SEC at Fog Allen Fieldhouse. And people don't come into the fog and win very often, and this was not the case here. Kansas, 41-29 halftime lead, basically just maintained that 13-ish point lead for the entire rest of the second half. Uh, they did it by cleaning up on the glass in a huge way. 42-25 to 25 was the advantage for the Jayhawks on the boards. Huge chunk of that came from Hunter Dickinson, 16 rebounds for him. Also tacked on 13 points on 6 of 9 shooting, doing what he has been doing 
throughout the season so far. Meanwhile, KJ Adams, Kevin McCullough each had 17 for the Jayhawks, who got just seven points from their bench, continues to be an area we are monitoring for Kansas. Uh, Johnny Furphy did not score. I think Timberlake had three. Uh, I think Parker Braun had the other four. But either way, still not getting a lot from Kansas's bench, but it hasn't seemed to impact them in a significant way as they pick up a win over their rival Mizzou here. Ooh, Zach Eady got to go home on Saturday, Andy. Mm-hmm. I love this. I love that this happened. Purdue over Alabama in Toronto. A great game in which, by the way, Alabama started yeah. pretty, pretty hot before Purdue was able to come back and win 92-86. to 86. And, Andy, this game was all about Zach Eady and Mark Sears. And yeah. these two dudes both dropped 35 points. Sears hit eight threes for the Tide. Zach Eady was 11 of 11 from the free throw line, which was critical because uh, Purdue had the knock down their free throws down the stretch to hold mm-hmm. on to this win. And Andy, I, I uh, my, my wife's birthday was on Saturday, so I was actually kind of keeping up with this game on mm-hmm. my phone as it was going. Alabama got off to this hot start. They led by 12 midway through the first half and held on uh, to lead by two at the half. Uh, but then they got on a 9-2 run to start the second half. And I was like, dude, Purdue might not have it today. But then the Boilermakers work their way back, take the lead, and again, hit their free throws down the stretch. And this is great news with Purdue winning and Arizona winning because it sets up this epic battle between the Boilermakers and Wildcats next Saturday in Indianapolis. Neither team plays between now and then. I cannot wait for Boilermakers Wildcats. Purdue's ability to play Zach Eady late in the game because he can knock down his free throws is so unbelievably vital for that team, especially as they get in the NCAA tournament. If they can play him in close games, man, that's going to make a huge difference for them. Uh, Closing out our six-pack here, sticking in the Big Ten. Instead of talking about a Big Ten win like we got from Purdue, we're going to talk about a pair of Big Ten losses. Indiana gets dismantled by Auburn. I mean, just crushed 104 to 76. Uh, This game was played in Atlanta, Indiana. They only have two losses on the season. Uh, Isaac and I were talking before the show that that's feels wrong because Indiana's two losses were just destructions. They got beat by 20 by UConn now 28 here by Auburn. When they lose, they lose big shout out the Tigers, big win for them. And then Michigan state, on Sunday, just not long before we hit the record button here, they lose to Nebraska, 77-70. to 70. Uh, Michigan State is now 4-5 and 0-2 and and in the Big Ten. And, man, after that loss to James Madison, there was a lot of belief that this team was going to turn it around. But, Isaac, they just haven't. They just it just has not happened for Tom Izzo's team. He likes to he likes to be good in March, so maybe he's biding his time. But it, it, we haven't gotten there yet, that's for sure. He's gonna have to bide some more time because their next game is against Baylor on Saturday. Ooh. So uh, that's probably gonna be a loss. That is gonna be a rough one, folks. That's gonna wrap us up for today here on the Lockdown College Basketball Podcast. So many fantastic games over the weekend. Not a great slate of games on Monday. We're still, once Monday night football is wrapped up, college basketball will take over Monday. At least they've taken over Saturdays. So we get ourselves some fantastic games. Like you said, Michigan State, Baylor, Purdue, and Arizona. Got Gonzaga, UConn on Friday as the primer getting into an excellent weekend of games. We'll be back later this week with more coverage on the upcoming college basketball games, more talk about what this means for different teams, conferences, all sorts of stuff right here on the Lockdown College Basketball Podcast. You can join us on our Discord channel as well. If you have not done so yet, there's a link in the show notes. It is free to join. We're talking college hoops 24-7 there. Thank you so much for listening. Apologies to the lawyer family for their big game coming up. 
against Arizona. Go Wildcats. I suppose that works doubly for that game as well. And until tomorrow, peace.